All right, Dan Gunny Gunsberg, welcome to the Dirty Diggler podcast. You, uh, you happen to be my first official interviewee guest, so how does that make you feel? I mean, I'm, I'm completely honored, especially from a guy named Dirt Diggler. One of the top, probably one of the top, uh, top five movies of all time. Dude, right? Boogie Nights? Come on. All right, so uh, you're the co-founder of Hero Network. And uh, before we jump into that, I wanted to uh, get up to speed on you. But I figured, because you're a pretty seasoned podcaster, you've done this a few times, so I'm going to do the TLDR for you, and you just let me know where I went wrong. So essentially, you started in 1994 in TradFi. You went uh, entry level all the way to C-suites. Then you popped the BTC red pill. Yeah. And then 2017 into 2018, Hero starts to take its concept. And you guys, what I understand is you and your co-founder, Rob, decided you wanted to bring your previous experience in the trading world with derivatives on chain. That is pretty much pretty much it. The, the first genesis of Hero was a was a Web2 product called Moonwrecked, which was a paramutual option, like a floating strike option that that we actually invented. And, then it, and it's amazing to see because there's a lot of sites and platforms now that carry some version of it. And we actually technically own the IP on it, which is interesting. We started building that in 2018, launched it in 2019. And then in 2020, when Serum launched, we were like, hey, Solana can make a real market work on chain. And um, that's when we went down. We said, look, the, the time is now to start on derivatives market infrastructure. And, uh, and here we are today, you know, a couple of years later. So then 2020 was the Solana red pill. 2020 was the Solana red pill. We, we wanted to build it on Ethereum early. We, we talked to a, different, a couple different, you know, people about it. And uh, it just, it didn't make sense with given its throughput and cost structure and everything just made no sense. And we talked to a couple of other blockchains. And then, yeah, I ha you know, I have to hand it to, um, you know, Kyle Samani actually uh, kind of red-pilled me on Solana. Uh, and then the rest is history. Interesting. Okay, leading in from there, what I wanted to ask you, since I did your, your intro for you, what's it been like being a founder building through this last bear market? It like, and what does it also feel like being one of the only remaining 2020, 2021 Solana protocols thriving? I mean, look, at I've, you know, I've been an athlete my whole life, and um, I have this innate survival skill that you know, I, I refuse to die. I think that's a human, you know, goes back to hunter gatherer days or something, but uh, no, seriously, this bear market has been, um, has been very challenging. It, we, you know, we, we built through the 2018, 2019 period as well. And that came with its own challenges, but the market as a whole was way smaller. There was way less interest. You didn't have a lot of the same headwinds that you have now. I don't know. Maybe there just wasn't as much riding on it at the time, but we built through that and we came out of it and it proved to be valuable that we survived it. And then obviously it's always longer than expected. And if I'm speaking honestly, I'll say something about just maybe on behalf of founders, I think like founders tend to, and, and I, I've done this as well, and maybe it's the good founders. And there's some balance between like self-welfare and as a founder and martyrdom <laughs> and the crypto space is especially unforgiving. And especially now that you have this, like 
you have this mix of traditional-ish VCs plus anonymous internet trolls. Like when things go bad, it magnifies times a hundred. And look, there's thousands of projects out there that just didn't survive or didn't work out. There's other ones that were complete rugs or were complete vapor, didn't have a mission and like didn't have a, weren't working towards any type of milestone. It's just like, you know, a couple of devs that decided to like raise some money in a time when it was easy to raise money and really didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And like, and I think that has left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Um, when, you know, and so it's, so it, it's a scary thought that like the baby can get thrown out with the bathwater. Oftentimes it's, there's a lot of founders that, you know, whether it's in the Solana ecosystem or elsewhere that have really good intentions and they're here to build. And, you know, if things don't go well or go their way, it, you know, it's, it's not about like, Hey, like we failed fast or, Hey, we, you know, we gave it our best effort. It's like, here's all the things you did wrong. And, you know, most founders like don't, don't, they're almost like the lat. They're like the captain on the, on the ship. <laughs> you know, it's like you're. You can be a hero or you can be a, a an absolute zero. And if like if things don't work out, like you end up, you're the one that has to go down with the ship. You know, if you're a good intention founder, like you've pushed. My partner, my co-founder, and I have like, we pushed all in on this. Our entire life is in hero. And so I think there's this balance of being aware of needing to have self welfare and like. You have to still be human and then balancing that with being in crypto and really being able to have that other identity that really like, you know, it is what helps drive whatever project, whatever protocol you're building forward. And I think maybe to kind of TLDR it, I that a lot of early and like less seasoned investors, a lot of people in communities they really underestimate the true risk that a founder is taking and what they're, what they're sacrificing to make their project go. That's really insightful. No, I really align with that. One of the things that comes to my mind is when I hear people talk about like, they start speculating on tokens and they start thinking about, oh, well, you know, we're talking about the new bull market and we only want to touch shiny new coins. And like when I, and I've been guilty of talking about, you know, Solana 2.0, but like when I talk about Solana 2.0, protocols like hero get to be included in that this should be if anything you guys have been here longer and you've been building through so much more shit that you're, you're even more vetted yeah i mean look, we, we didn't even address the white elephant in the room which is ftx like for everybody you know which you know I, I think maybe we're in the later innings of like seeing that flush out of the system i mean it's going to take a it's going to take a lot longer now you know to to really get it out but but i think you know, to your point, a lot of that, like one point, like Hero was not a one point. Hero technically is still a, it's an ERC-20. <laughs> like it, it didn't, it didn't spawn out of like a, you know, a, an FTX, um, uh, love triangle. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, it, it didn't work like that. It came to Solana already a seasoned token and and I think when people talk about DeFi 1.0 or, or Solana 1.0 in the token context, they're talking about these low float, 
high FDV, you know, like Maps or Oxy or things like that, that got that, you know, really founders, yeah, founders that didn't really understand that, like, it was really these FTX backed projects that were really just backdoor ways for FTX to launch perps and then like turbo hedge their massive positions by by just like constantly selling the perp. And, you know, fortunately, Hero didn't, wasn't that. So Yeah, you know what? You, you make valid points. I was in the Oxy ICO and played all those games. And I completely agree with you. They are, they are different. And I consider myself as part of the Solana ecosystem because I've gone in the last few months, I've gone pretty much full Solana. I don't forget EVM or IBC because I'm not an idiot, but I'm just really starting to align more with Solana. And it's nice to see that we're all kind of as a team pushing it together. It's not a PVP market when it comes to protocols in Solana. It's very much like community focused and, and what makes sense with to partnership with who. And I like that. That makes me more and more bullish long-term. I couldn't agree more. You know, one thing I'll say with Hero is we built on Solana. And I mean this genuinely, like I, I've said this publicly, is we came to Solana because it was the right tech for what we wanted to build. And so it, it wasn't because we were bullish on the token. Like we truly, genuinely believed that for derivatives and betting infrastructure that it was the perfect blockchain to do it on. And it had the right throughput capabilities, had the right cost structure. And a lot of the engineers that we were meeting very early on all came from, from traditional finance, from like from the trading side of things. And, and they're a very tight, very smart community at the center of Solana that really can make it move. And also like the huge community of guys like you that can really help spread the value proposition of it. And so Hero itself, that bottom layer being on Solano is ultimately important. When we think about expanding Hero, like over time, the idea is that people should be using Solano, but not knowing that they're using Solano. They're building, they're building from Hero's infrastructure that is built on top of Solano. But it's, you know, and I think it's important because without that, you end up getting too tribal. Like, and, and you, you lose a massive market of, of users that are like, you know, they're EVM based. And, and now there's things that are being built like by a MetaMask or like SoulFlare is doing some cool stuff. We have some projects that, that are building that are in the hero ecosystem that are building that are doing like some EVM con connectivity stuff. Like all of that, I think, is it should be kind of like the tectonic plate under the crust of the of the continent, you know, and heroes, the continent. like, you don't think about the tectonic. You're not like, Oh, I'm on this, this particular tectonic plate. I'm, I'm living in China or wherever I'm living. That's like the, the, the analogy there works perfect too, because you have global citizens and then you have people that are wholly identified by one country or one state. And so like, are you, are you uh ETH maxi is Solana maxi? And you're right. I think you, you leave a lot on the table by trying to disclose yourself as one. And that's why every time I say I enjoy Solana a lot, I always preface it with a, well, I also am an EVM IBC enjoyer. I don't want to, I'm not going to pigeonhole myself. That's smart. Like you said, yeah. If you're in this, in the crypto world, like how can you not be? And, and even if like just having a, an appreciation for 
what it is about the other blockchains that that drive people. And like Ethereum EVM world has caught massive network effects that have not quite hit Solana yet. Like, you know, they, they will eventually. But my my position on it is I want it to be about I don't want it to be about euphoria on Twitter and everybody acting giddy. Like I want it to be because there is a like impenetrable, badass, hyper fast, very usable, easy to build blockchain that like that that the hero ecosystem can rely on and not ever risk having like a Google Glass moment. And you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's the extent of what why it's important to me. And some of the things that I'm seeing come out already and some of the dApps that are getting built on top of your network are are very much going to blow people's minds, I'm pretty sure. Not going to know you're on Web3. I believe that. I believe that. I think now's a good time to jump into some question rounds on Hero, getting a little bit to more protocol level stuff. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. You guys refer to Hero as the shared liquidity layer, which I think makes a lot of sense. And my question is, if you were to title a book, The Hero Network for Dummies, how would you describe the introduction? I would open it by saying, hero is an ocean. And to have an ocean, an ocean has many inlets to it that have lakes and ponds connected to it. And ultimately, everything drives back to the ocean. So that's exactly what it is. Ideally, over time, is you have this ocean of liquidity. And then you have all of these dApps that have their own liquidity. And all of that liquidity feeds down and bottoms out into Hero's ocean. Uh, and that ocean is shared by all of the dApps in the ecosystem, which means all the liquidity is shared. And uh, that creates kind of a virtuous cycle of liquidity that, that creates a sustainable marketplace for builders, traders, punters, bettors, everybody to come interact with and build on top of. Well done. Yeah, yeah. I'd read that book. I think it would have picture. It would have pictures. It would be nice. Me too, man. I, I would. I, we could draw some. <laughs> could draw some really cool pictures off. Yeah, that's good. Actually, and that's actually leads into a good one. So, speaking of liquidity, from what I understood back in FTX days, you guys had an agreement with them to be a bit of the source for liquidity. If I may ask, where does the source for the liquidity mostly come from now? Yeah. So, so I think the. The, that was Alameda that the, that relationship with, was with. And that actually was the like, kind of the old hero 1.0 pre-DeFi. There was a product that was created in, uh, I think we created in 2020, called TixWix, which were basically like one-touch options where Alameda was the primary liquidity behind it. And we built some bridging technology between the two, between FTX. So if you were an FTX user, you could go create a TixWix wallet. And there were, you know, these kind of very esoteric style trading slash betting markets that were pretty cool. Um, so now liquidity comes from base market makers. Like there is, a, first of all, there's now market making on, uh, in Hero Network is completely open source. There's a, you can go into the repo and there's a, there's a, uh, a script in there that you can grab, that anybody could grab. And if you have a, a trader account set up, you can, you can uh, run this script and start making markets in it. And it's, you know, it's not, 
I wouldn't say it's the most strategic script, but it's a it's a reference implementation that somebody with like you know even basic coding skills uh, could use. There are market makers in Hero Network that provide the base scaffolding liquidity that is there. That kind of solves like the need for if I'm a DAP and I can come to Hero Network and just plug in all of their liquidity is ingressing into those markets and it all is 100% shared. So if Dirk Diggler is trading on Nolobot and you put a, an order in via Nolobot, that order goes into the dexterity market market for that particular product. And that order is seen by every other DAP that's connected to to Hero Network. So it's shared markets, just, you know, very similar, very much analogous to OpenBook, right? Except it's, except it's, um, it's all USDC settlement. It's not tokenized and it has its own separate risk engine, which is something we call Spandex that, that runs risk for, for it as well. Nice. And for anybody that doesn't know OpenBook, it was previously Open Serum, which was the community fork of Serum that had all the issues in the FTX days, but the community stepped in to be like, no, this is good tech. We need to keep this going for Solana DeFi. And thus this is as it exists. No token on the horizon for open book. Exactly. I think you got to get louder about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been in there. I've asked. Like, you don't have to ask. You just go up into the search section in discord and type in when token W E N that's uh, intro to researching. All right. Nice. Okay. That makes sense. You know what? Let's jump into the zero-dated futures now. Um, I want to ask it in the same kind of premise as explaining it as if we're teenagers, because I know it's brought up a little bit of confusion, and I've spoken to a few different people in different protocol groups or market makers to say, you know, is this going to assist you? So what I'm most excited for with the zero-dated futures is that there's the potential to have market makers make markets in, with low liquidity shit coins. I love the idea of these perpetual markets being able to come in, but I still have these kind of concerns about the liquidity. I get the Oracle part of it, but the lack of liquidity, how do these ZDFs overcome that portion? Great question. And the, what it really comes down to is when a market maker thinks about market making, it's what really what he thinks about it you know, obviously he wants PL out of it, but first and foremost is about risk management because really what market making is, is, is providing a market for the transfer of risk, right? And so they want that and they want capital efficiency. So the issue of why you can't get good liquidity oftentimes in shitcoin derivatives is because um, market makers are really unwilling to put any, any market up because like imagine a low liquid, a, a, like an illiquid shitcoin trading as the underlying Oracle price on a perp. I could not, there might be like funding to help this and whatnot, but it, it really doesn't. Um, the market maker could theoretically have two scenarios that could go bad for them. One is they're just, they get kind of like game stopped where you have a, a mob of traders that just, are going one way on it. And those traders have more staying power than the market maker does. And then the market maker has to get out. But there's a problem is that 
the market maker has to, there has to be liquidity for the market maker to actually get out. So what happens when the market maker is the liquidity, right? And now they're stuck short in a perp that doesn't expire. And then like, there's no, there's no offer for them to buy back. And they're just sitting there like max short, right? Liquidation, cascading liquidation into an, a liquidation into an illiquid market. The underlier is illiquid. The underlier can also be very easily manipulated, right? The underlier is the is the oracle price, is the spot price, is the spot. So, like in the context of like Harry Potter, Obama, Sonic, Ten Inu, which was the first ZDF. Actually, the ETH ZDF is the first one that launched, but but the Harry Potter one um, was kind of the first real shitcoin to launch on it. So, like. The underlier is it, you know, it tracks the spot price of Harry Potter of of the bit the Bitcoin ticker, um, and then it settles to that to that Oracle price every day. So, um, imagine a scenario where if that was a perpetual, like the whole community can come and just run the market maker over, and then the market maker still has to cover that position, but but if he covers it, like and there's a liquidation, like he's going to get liquidated into a, a vapored market. And so it's too easily manipulable. They don't mess with it. Now, let's just take that one scenario and now say, hey, we're going to, hey, market maker, you can come trade in this. And every day we're going to guarantee that that worst case scenario, you're going to get flat. Like the contract is going to get everybody flat. That's one. And two is the fact that it settles to the underlying spot price, there will be a massive basis that will get created if everybody's trying to jam the derivative higher. They'd also have to go in and like really buy up the, the underlier, the spot, the spot oracle price. Um, but if they're really trying to squeeze the market maker, the market maker can say, well, look, I have staying power now because I know like I'm only going to need to carry this for another two hours. And the spot price is... is $5 lower, and I'm like super net short, all these people that are trying to squeeze the market maker are going to have to turn and get out because they're going to be offside relative to the, they're, they're already like buying at a premium over the spot, which means that when it expires, they're going to lose, the market maker is going to win. So you, you're essentially created a new game of like 24, 25 hour basis trading. Like you were describing to me earlier of like, people are looking at the up and the down, whereas seasoned traders and market makers aren't so much caring about the up and the down, they're trading the spread between the derivative and the spot. 100%. And, and so they know that they're gonna settle, that they're gonna cash settle to the spot. They don't mind selling it, being short at a premium, leading into the expiration. What about like a scenario where, okay, they're gonna, they're gonna hold the spot and then they're gonna go the opposite direction by purchasing the zero dated future. You mean like if they're just, well, they don't have to hedge, right? Like what the more, the, all the market makers that, that we speak to about this, they, they're like, we're not gonna hedge it. Like, we'll just, we're just gonna wear it. And that way, like they don't, it, I mean, they, you, you could hedge it. Like, a, like when you get closer to expiration, then yeah, maybe it makes sense because they're like, like you said, it's, it's this whole new kind of game around trading expiration where, cause the, the future and the spot price have to converge. If they don't, there is a, there's a spread there that is, that 
will settle to the spot and then like, correct. And like you as a trader, if that's trading at a premium and the spot is trading, like if the future's trading here and the spot's trading here and there's, you know, there's two minutes to expiration, you should be doing whatever you can to sell, to, to close the arbitrage. It's, it's a derivative. It's, it's a future. So you, all you have to do is just, you want to short it, you just short it. You just got to make sure like it, whatever your margin requirement is to short it, that you have enough capital in your account to, to, to do the trade. You can open, a, you can be at zero, have no assets other than USDC in your account and, and go short. Do you recall what the, what the market cap is for uh, Bitcoin ticker? Cause it's gotta be, is it in the tens of millions, hundreds of millions? Cause that makes it kind of liquid. Harry Bonasonic, 322 market cap ranking. So it's like, it's a bona fide shit coin, but it's not illiquid. So I wonder like the, the test case has got to be, let's throw a uh, hundred thousand or a 500,000 market cap rank into this and, and test it live to see if like, is a market maker going to get boned? A really good question. It, it's like, I, I wouldn't put it in the like illiquid camp, right? Like it has some meat on it for sure, but it's definitely not. Maybe it's a, more of a shitcoin blue chip than an actual blue chip. So. All right. So um, I love that you guys are building open source tech. You're putting it out there. You're saying if it doesn't work, okay, go test it. If it does break, it doesn't really matter because then you'll make the next iteration and then the next iteration and the next iteration. And like, and that's why we're here. That's right. And maybe it won't be us. Maybe it'll be somebody else that like another group that's building to Hero Network that's like, hey, we want to make these modifications and they, they do it. And that's, that's the beauty of it, right? So true. So true. So you know what? I had a couple more questions, but you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save it for uh, round two, force you to come back on to the Dirty Diggler. Never, man. And then um, all I wanted to round it up with was you had said in the beginning about, you know, surviving bear markets. And I thought one thing I'd like to start asking guests is like, what's the one thing that you do that's like number one to staying in the game, health related, fitness related, whatever. What's, what's your thing? Yeah, I, I go in and out with it, but, but what works for me the best is, is actually like, um, prioritizing sleep. Like I used to not do that. I used to like, be like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay up 36 hours and, and work. And the older I've gotten, the tougher that like, I realized that you can do a hell of a lot more in like, 10 hours than you can over 36 hours, like 10 hours with good sleep um, and, and getting your ass to the gym. And then also like this round, I've been way more self-aware about being present outside of work and like present with like in real life relationships. And, you know, it, it's, it's very like base human need stuff. I think that, that, <laughs> cause there's so much fodder that you, especially this last round with like, just all the craziness with, you know, what we came out of. And, and, um, and again, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's back to that message of like having some focus on self welfare and like, you don't want to come out of this, you know, disgruntled and not prepared for when the ship turns and like, you know, the ship is a, is a aircraft carrier that has to turn at port. <laughs> it takes a while and a lot of the right things have to line up and, I think that, and then per, that's health wise. And then 
just really focusing on building. And I, I think really focusing on building and, and, and tightening up your circle of people that, you know, are committed to the cause and, and getting up every day and having that be the motivation is, um, you know, pays long-term dividends. Yeah. No, I align with both of that. That's sagely spoken. Well, uh, you, uh, you're going to be at Breakpoint, you mentioned? Uh, we'll be at Breakpoint and we'll be speaking there. And I'm excited to meet you in person and, and see the rest of the Solana community there. And um, hopefully this year it'll be, you know, hopefully this year it'll be at the dead low and not at the dead high. I'm here for that. I mean, my bags agree with you. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Gunny. All right, man. This was great. I really appreciate it and uh, look forward to uh, round two.